This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Nikki, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. I'm so glad that you could join me today and to talk about your great work um, with grieving parents and um, with loss and leading people towards light. Um, And I just think it's amazing and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. and I just thought I would invite you to, um, you know, introduce yourself and uh, to just maybe share the story of your own personal loss. Um, you lost your son, Leaf, um, in 2016. Yeah. Um, suddenly. And um, you've been on this incredible journey um, of healing and out of um, some deep darkness. And, um, and not only um, have you healed yourself, but you are also sharing that light with, with so many other people. Um, and I, I, uh, I'm so glad that you're here to talk to me about it. I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you so much for, for inviting me on. Um, yeah, I can share definitely. So um, I'm Nikki Elliott, and I am a, uh, I'm a certified spiritual grief coach, is, is I guess my official title. And um, I run, I, I, I founded and I run, I co-founded and I run a, um, positive healing support group on Facebook. It's it's an online platform, um, and uh, I also do you know I do private coaching sessions. I I do online classes, and but the the big group I call it the big group, the Healing Warrior Parents. Um, that's my labor of love. Um, and then I also I, separate from all of that, I also start a nonprofit to assist with free parents' um, financial needs. So. I've got a lot of irons in the fire. So, um, yeah. Um, my son Leaf, he passed in 2016. I say he left body in 2016 usually. Um, and so, uh, it was quite frankly, something that never occurred to me that could happen. It it never occurred to me that I could have a child die ever, like totally oblivious to it. And so he was 16 at the time and um we had moved to a new town we had always lived in our small hometown and we had moved to a new town in a new state and uh he um he didn't know anybody there because he had graduated early and he was in online college and he was working 40 hours a week and so um my my partner tom and i had said you know leaf why don't you like get a teenage job so you can meet other teenagers so we did and he got invited to homecoming that week and you know, met some great people, had some great, great, you know, times, and uh, he got invited to a homecoming after party, and I was actually very excited for him, because I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be your first house party, like, I grew up in southwest Missouri, where we did bonfires, and, you know, had beers, and did back roading, went to the creek, so I was excited for him, you know, and, um, and he wasn't generally a drinker, And so that night I had told him, I said, if you drink tonight, like here, you know, here are the rules. Like you don't get in anybody's car, you park your truck, you don't get out. If you need a ride home, you call me. Like 
you know, but I never told him not to drink too much. Like that was the one rule I left out because it never occurred to me. And so, um, by all counts, he had an amazing time. He, uh, was the life of the party. Leaf in spirit is extremely loud and ornery and in body. He was the exact same way. Like this kid had the physical presence. He was tall. He was big, um, loud, like, you know, his preschool teacher said, you know, we really need to teach Leaf his inside voice. And I'm like, good luck with that. So at 16, that never changed. Um, so he was the life of the party. And he ended up taking 30 shots of fireball that night. Um, and he didn't aspirate or anything. These kids at the party, you know, they actually took very good care of him. They rolled him on his side when he did, when he did pass out. And, you know, they thought he was drunk. He was going to sleep it off. And, um, so I heard from him. So now looking back, I can put the pieces together, um, regarding the spiritual journey part. And so his last text to me was, I'm safe. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. And it was M O U R N I N G. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, I love you too. You know, I'm, you know, stay there. I'll, I'll see, you know, um, put the phone down. It was like 1am. So the next day, um, the next day around 6am, um, I swore I heard him come in. I heard his heavy footfall up the stairs, heard him go into his room. Um, you know, I was slightly lucidly awake and was like, okay, I'm going to go back, you know, go back to sleep. So I went back to sleep and about 10, um, I had been working on the road and I had just gotten home like two days before. So I was exhausted. So I slept until about 10 that morning and about 10, the doorbell rang and, um, it was two plainclothes detectives and I didn't, I didn't know that's what they were. And, um, they actually, they tried, they were like, we, you know, I was like, do you need something there? Like, we need to come in. And I was like, okay, you know, and my dog started barking at these poor detectives. I had to tell them to wait three times. I would try to let them in. My dogs around. I'm like, hold on a minute. You know, they're just like, oh my gosh, can she please let us in so we can deliver this news? Yeah. So they came in and, um, they asked if I was Leif's mom and I said, I am. And they, I, they said, um, you know, they told me like he, he was at a party last night. I said, yeah, he was at a party last night. And I said, oh my God, what did he do? You know, he's a 16 year old boy. Oh my God, is he in jail? Like, what did he do? And, and they said, um, you know, he, he passed last night, ma'am. And I said, no, he didn't. I heard him come in at six o'clock this morning. So I bolted up to his room, you know, rush in, open the door, bed is made. He's not in there. Um, and I heard the shower, the upstairs shower running. So I bolted in there and we had a housemate at the time, um, like a sublet. And I bolted in this poor girl. I rip open the shower curtain and mm-hmm. it's her, you know, she, ah! mm-hmm. and, um, I said, Oh my God, Leaf is dead. And it occurred to me. And so I went back down. Um, and you know, the rest of that is a bit of a blur. Sure. I will tell you that at one point, I mean, we had to make the calls. Um, you know, to our family back in Missouri and to Leaf's father, my ex-husband, um, and um, my mother and to his sister. So Leaf died on the 10th and his little sister, my daughter, Omri, and they're um, two years apart, very close. Um, her birthday was, is the 9th. So she actually found out at her family birthday party with my parents. Um, 
his birthday is 10 days later on the 20th. So it was, it was, it was a lot that week. Um, uh, I ended up that day, they had to take me to the emergency room to be sedated um, because I was in hysterics and I was slamming my head up against the wall and wailing. And um, so they took me to be sedated. And even in the hospital, um, I had a horrible doctor with a horrible bedside manner because I was saying, is he here? Is he here? Because I didn't know. I didn't know like what the process of that was. I didn't know if he had been brought in there to try to be revived or or whatever, you know. So uh, the doctor was like, yes, he's here. He's down in the morgue. Do you want to see him? You know, maybe you should go down and see him. And I was like, no, no I can't see him here. Nobody's here with me. Um, but I heard I heard him yell mom from the hallway. And of course, they think I'm losing it at this point. And they're like, give her more, you know, give her more drugs. We got to get her calmed down. But I, I know that I heard him. And now now it's been actually validated that I did hear him um, through medium readings. And so um, and, and that he actually did come into the house at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. So but in that fog, I obviously was not making any of that connection. Right. Um, so I spent, you know, it was a whirlwind from that point we had to transport his body back home to Missouri um you know we had traveling back and forth the 900 miles for memorials and arrangements and all of the things and he had already started being really loud with other people and with signs but I still was not you know this is one of the things I work on with parents because even though when you're in that thick of it and especially the fog and the shock you're not making the connection like oh if he's sending this stuff he's obviously not dead. Like I think he's dead, but I wasn't making that connection. Um, and you called been, this, just let me, I just want to yeah. pause for one second. You called this and I, and now I, I mean, I can feel, you know, listening to your story, you call this the shattering. I call this the shattering. Yes. Um, that day I, um, you know, I did, I shattered my world shattered mm -hmm. every ounce of safety and security and na being naive about the world, all of it, you know, shattered. And so I do. And, 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 and that word to me is so powerful. It is so, so powerful. powerful. And I read it because that's what happens when yes, we lose it someone. Is. So suddenly when they're ripped from us like that, it's so, so shockingly. Um, it is like it, you fragment like your soul, your brain, your world, I mean, all of it, it's just obliterated and it's laying in pieces at your feet, you know, and you're just standing there staring at these pieces. Like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so within a month's time, my family had decided I needed to come back home, um, to heal, which was probably a good decision. I was not coherent. So we had this big moving cell and it was, it was like, my mother came and we would get up in the mornings. We would start doing these moving, this moving cell stuff. And I would look at her and I would say, why are we doing this? So Leaf, like Leaf is dead. And she would have to say, yes, Nikki. Yeah, we're doing this because Leaf is dead. And I would just look at her and I'm like, I didn't under, I couldn't understand. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Leaf is dead. Right. So, um, uh, on the way back home, you know, the, the family wanted to get me out, you know, we got to call the doctor, we got to get our medication. I, and innately, I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I need to feel every part of this because, because I have to, 
it's not going to be healthy if I don't, you know, and that looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe in that shock and confusion. I had the clarity to even say that knowing how painful it already was at that point. Right. Yeah. So, um, we got back to Missouri and got home and for the first three months, really all I did was, um, I was trying to convince myself that Leaf was dead. Like I was trying, you know, I was, I was trying like, what the hell has happened? I don't understand. I was trying to convince myself that Leaf was dead. And so all I did for that three months was I heavily grieved and I openly grieved and I didn't care where I was or who was around. If I needed to hit the floor and roll around and scream and kick and cry and cuss, that's exactly what I did. Um, Would you say that, that, um, that that is such an important part of the process mm-hmm. um, because I've, you know, I've, I, we talked a little bit before we went on air and I told you that I've grieved, you know, um, in my life deeply. And there's, I think when people suppress that it's dangerous, um, it is dangerous. you know, just from, just from, from my vantage point. And so would you agree with that, that you're rolling around and, um, spending three months in this deep grief was really part of your healing. It absolutely was. I would not go back and change that for anything. And one of the things that I work with parents on, because it is so stigmatized and we, they are told to put on the brave face. Um, one of the things I tell them is true strength is not in pretending you're okay. True strength is in allowing yourself to shatter and then rise and then shatter and then rise and then shatter and then rise. That's true strength. And that's what we have to teach the people around us about grief. And that's what we have to teach our surviving children. You know, um, it's not, it's, it's not, Oh, the family's coming over. I need to put on my mask of, um, you know, being okay. Um, you know, I, I don't want to cry and make them uncomfortable. So it's about, it's okay. If you make them uncomfortable, grief is uncomfortable. And, and yeah, it's so important, Nikki, because I think as a society that we're taught like, oh, isn't, you know, I remember 9-11, I lived out, I live outside of New York City. And when 9-11 hit, it hit our town in a big way. And it was the, it was the wife who like stood strong and got right out there. And it was the woman who, there was one mom who laid in bed for months and people were like, oh, I'm tired of making her dinner and blah, 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 blah. Um, and she did exactly what she needed to do. That's what I did. If I was up, I was usually on the floor rolling around, right? Um, and quite frankly, I wasn't up a lot of the time. There were weeks that, I mean, there were weeks that I was in bed. Um, you know, and I, I was, if I was up, I was immediately bawling and chain smoking cigarettes. And that's all I did. I chain smoked cigarettes, I bawled and I slept. That was pretty much it for the first three months. Um, oddly, not oddly enough, but so, before Leaf had passed, we had started practicing the law of attraction. You know, I'd been, I'd watched The Secret. We had been starting to you know, dabble in manifesting and the power of the high vibration and all of that. And at 16, you know, this kid, he's like, okay, I'll try, I'll try that, you know? Yeah. And so we were doing that. And so I had watched all of these things about manifesting. Well, when Leaf died, I was pissed. I was not happy because I was like, this is, you know, I'm, how did I manifest my kid's death? That's nothing that's ever crossed my mind. I didn't even know it was a possibility. I was angry. And so I had obviously, you know, Facebook's a huge, a huge networking thing. So I had some Apex 
groups, you know, LOA groups I was in. So I went in there and boy, I was venomous. And I said, you know, you people are full of shit. Like you, somebody step up and tell me how I manifested this. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking that grief venom and I'm these poor people. I'm just spewing it on them, you know? And this woman had said, she said, you're missing a huge piece. And I said, what piece? Why don't you tell me what piece I'm missing, right? And I'm a little in that bereaved spirit, like entitlement mode, like, oh, th- this woman's going to tell me what I'm missing. Okay, tell me. So she said, there, death, physical death is a completely separate component than law of attraction. It, it's all energy-based, but it, it's different. And she said, there are 10 death lectures that I want to send you. And I was like, okay, what? Okay, whatever. And that was actually earlier on. And I, you know, in my shock and grief, I forgot about them. I mean, there's no memory retention. Executive function goes to the back of the brain. Um, So at that three month, it was on his three month day when I had just been grieving and smoking and grieving and smoking. Um, I got out. um, My parents had always been, my dad had always been a seeker. So he had always had this huge library of all different theologies, um, all different Bibles, you know, and so I started pulling out books and I know I looked like a manic crazy woman. Thank God nobody was there to see me. And I had all of these books spread out on this bed and I'm like frantically page after page, just searching, searching. I didn't know the questions I was searching. I didn't know what answers I was looking for. And I was like, Oh, there's nothing here. There's nothing here that's bringing me any peace. And in a, again, a moment of innate clarity, um, it was, I heard, you know, in my thought, I heard the Abraham Hicks death lectures. So I go searching in my phone, I bring them up and I listen to a lecture called grief, death and separation in a positive context. And I listened to that. And I kid you not, Pam, 10,000 pounds lifted off my shoulders and I could breathe for the first time in three months. And so that was the moment when the light, the light started to get the, the light started to get in. So for three months, I had been trying to convince myself my son was dead. And at the three month mark, I was like, oh, my God, he's not actually dead. Like, I was like, he's he's actually available to me. Like, now I have to find him. Right. So that's when that's when my healing journey began Um, over the next year things, you know, not random things. I came to know very, very quickly that there were no coincidences ever. I started being open to the fact that Leap was coming to other people and that he had actually come to me, but I wasn't um, understanding what that was. Right, exactly. Um, And, you know, tell me how, how that started to happen, like for you personally, like how did you start to recognize that you could communicate with him and me personally, because, um, you know, as a brave parent, and I mean, it, as a brave person, right, you're already talking to them all of the time, right? You're already doing that. Yeah. So, of course, I had been doing that. And, and um, so, you know, the first big thing after I, so it was very shortly after, like, the epiphany of holy smoke, like, this isn't what it seems, right? Um uh, I was actually, it was the funniest thing. And, you know, you think you're going crazy when this stuff starts happening because it's a completely, you know, it's the start of a paradigm shift and you don't know what's going on. So you think you're losing your mind. But um, my daughter and I were actually sitting um, on the bed and I was still, I still was smoking at the time. So I had a pack of cigarettes like sitting beside me and um, 
she was sitting on the bed with me and we were talking and all of a sudden I looked down and my pack of cigarettes are gone. And, and, you know, I had quit prior to Leaf's death. It had actually been a year to the day because I had quit in honor of my kids' birthdays. So it had been a year to the day. And of course, on that, that day, I was like, somebody better get me a pack of cigarettes right now. Yeah. So the cigarette pack disappeared. Like, I'm like, where did it go? I, so I looked at Omri, that's my daughter's name. And I said, you know, not funny. Like, now is not the time for me to quit smoking, right? Again. And she said, Mom, I didn't, like, I didn't take them. I didn't take them. And I said, okay, get up. And we, you know, search the bed, search all the things. It's nowhere to be found. So I was like, all right, I'll just have to get more or whatever. Sit down, sit back down, and look over. And they're sitting in the exact same spot that, you know, and I looked at her and I said, did you do, like, come on. And she was like, I did not do that. And then all of a sudden, our dogs are peering off the end of the bed, barking, 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 barking. And I said, like, Leaf, are you, like, are you here? Did you, did you do this? And, you know, chills all over my body. And I was like, whoa, something's going on here. Can you so, tell me real quick just about yeah. chills, chills all over your body? So I get that a lot. And you know, a few times when you we were talking before we started and you had mentioned a couple of things and I'll write down my right leg, I get chills. So what what is that for the person me, listening? Like, what is that? To me, what that is, it's a physical validation of spirit or truth. Um, so it depends on the context. I'm getting them right now, actually. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I don't, I don't get a lot of physical validation. Like I, my, my, um, clear sentence isn't on point at all. I don't get like, I don't feel energy very often. Um, it comes in different ways to me, but for me, chills will be a validation of truth or spirit. So in that context, it was both like Lee's like, yeah, mom, I'm right here. So he's, I almost look at it as like his energy's tickling my body. Like mm -hmm. I'm right here. And then it's validating as well as truth because, it's giving you a physical way to know that what is happening is real. Like what is happening is real. So that's what chills are to me. Yeah. Um, and so many, we all have that intuitive nature. See, I'm very physical. Like I'm the opposite. I feel physical, physically things like I can walk uh -huh. in the room and I know when I need to leave. I mean, I, I'm very um, sensitive in that way. Yeah. And I always have been, but the more that I do spiritual work, the more connected to it and the more I trust it. Absolutely. Um, that I've become. Um... Yeah, that makes sense. And for me, like, um, you know, you see a, a lot of people will say these gifts, these gifts, and, you know, mediums have the gift and the shamans have the gift. And to me, my truth is that we are all spirit inside of a human body. And because we are all spirit inside of a human body, we all have those abilities. We all have, quote, unquote, the gift. Um, some people are more naturally open to it. I was not, I had to, I had to study it and, I, and I'm not a medium. Um, I don't ever want to be a medium, but I needed to learn enough about that to be able to recognize my voice, you yeah. know? So, um, I do, I do. And you know, I have a lot of people that tell me they're like, you know, Nikki, um, not everybody has that with their kid because the work that I do, one of the first things I say is we have two jobs right now. You, well, we have three jobs right now. You have to grieve openly. In between those waves, you need to be seeking your truth. And, and in between that, we need to be getting you connected. And, and so what I have. mean by seeking your truth? So we've talked about um, the first part. Tell me yeah. about seeking your truth. Like, what does that so, mean to you? 
seeking your truth for me, what that means to me and, and what it did, what it looked like for me, actually, Pam, I'll kind of explain it that way. So after that first, you know, aha moment, I started devouring information. I mean, and you know, I had looked around, I had been in darker grief groups. All I could find were dark grief groups. And I was reaching out to like old teachers that had had children pass. I'm like, like, how do you do this? You know, because even as, yeah, because yeah, even as you're seeking, the grief is so palpable and it's so painful. And I would say, you know, how, how have you lived 20 years with a dead child? And they, everybody was saying, it's just always kind of there, Nikki. And I was like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> no, I can't go on with this like elephant on my chest for the next 50 years. I can't do it. So I started, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know it was called seeking at the time. Right. But so I, I went on Google. I was, Google was my best friend. I was like afterlife, near death experience, past life regression, metaphysics, quantum physics, anything and everything I could get my hands on to read to seek my truth. And I didn't even know that that's what I was doing at the time, quite honestly. I was just like, I have to find my kid. I have to understand this to some degree. And uh, um, so I was, I was, so seeking to me is getting enough different theologies, ideas, um, teachers, information in front of us and learning how to pull out what resonates for us personally. Okay. What, so what that's your truth, is figuring out what, in what way, what are your gifts? What are the ways that you can, that are unique to you as an individual? Is that what I'm that, hearing? Yeah, yeah, that is part of it. Because, you know, as humans, we, we, we come to earth and, and I studied ego stuff a lot too. And I'm very well versed in the ego pain body self versus the spiritual self. So that was what, that was one of the things I sought out as well. So um, as humans, of course, it filters through our ego. So it's only going to, it's only going to hit and resonate with us in the verbiage that we understand, which is why there are many religions because mm -hmm. we don't all speak the same verbiage, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, one of the things I teach the parents is like, if for me, it's like truth equals peace. Like if you get a sense of peace within you, even in that deep, icky heaviness, you know, the living hell of grief, that means that that peace resonated with you and your inner spirits going, Hey, Hey, remember that? Like that's, that's a piece for you to pay attention to. So I'm like listening to podcasts, reading stuff, you know, literally manically, you know, 12 to 12, 15, 17 hours a day. Sometimes I'm in between the days that I'm not, Hold up in my bed and you know riding around like like a mad woman and I started writing it down like you know so your truth is like who is your God is your God a vengeful God that you know that sends people to hell like I don't believe in hell anymore that's that's not a truth that resonates with me um you know, you know I often ask people this is interesting it's so similar as I ask people what their image of God is and yeah. most of the time people's image of God is whatever they were taught as a child Absolutely. And it might be some white bearded man up on a cloud that yeah. like you're talking about. And it can be different the older we get. It's okay to Absolutely. try things and expand on that faith. You know, I always say you, you've got the building blocks. How can, how can we grow from, from there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I had been to church and, you know, I was, I was, I was never like heavily, indoctrinated but my mom went to church every Sunday 
and I was baptized in water from the Jordan River. I mean, you know, so I, you know, I went through my, my, um, you know, my youth group and, you know, all the stuff you do as a middle schooler. And so, and, and I believed in God, um, but I was probably agnostic looking back now. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I believed in, I had faith in something. I didn't know what it was. Um, and that had always been enough for me. Like I was okay with that. Here's what, here's what I'm hearing there is that you knew God intellectually. Yes. But now you know God in, in the heart space. Absolutely. Absolutely. For you. Um, and Absolutely. you move, and pe- when people, I say that that's the biggest transformation is when people can move from that headspace to that heart space to living Absolutely. from there to your truth, what is your truth? So that's living my truth. And I'm very good at, like, I live in my truth. And, you know, and, and it's funny because people will be like, well, Nikki, you know, you cuss a lot. I'm like, my God doesn't judge me for that. He knows that's an earth construct. <laughs> you know, he's like, whatever, use whatever words you need to. That's just you, or you humans, you know. So I, I'm very, very in tune with my God now. And I don't always call it God. I call it source. I call it universe. I call it God. I mean, it's fluid for me. It's fluid and it's ever expanding for me too. Um, but and that's because the- it's personal to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I, I have the parents that work with me do is I'm like, find your truth, you know, cause they'll say, well, this is what the scripture says. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of great scripture, but it's a lot of times it's translated wrong. Like it's the, it's the, it's supposed to be the first step to you digging deeper into what that actually means. It's not a literal context. It was supposed to, you know, break you open, yeah, and move you, you break you up and move you towards love and not away from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's what seeking is to me. It's, it's figuring out what resonates with you as your personal truth. And of course, all along this journey, there are levels and layers of surrender, of taming ego, of seeking truth. Of, I mean, it's, you know, it's, whoo, it's an onion. And so, you know, when I start working with them, I say, we need to figure out what your truth is, you know, and they'll say, well, so- you know, I know, I know what my truth is. So we've covered one and two. So tell me about the third. Um, so which ones did I cover? Because I ramble and I forget sometimes. Well, we just talked about <laughs> your truth, uh-huh. <laughs> seeking your truth. And um, I, I mean, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about, you know, your story with your son, leave, mm-hmm. um, you know, your shattering about how you grieved, which was so important. Right. You brought yourself back from, you know, this deep, deep darkness and, you know, a seed was planted. You found your truth. Mm -hmm. You know, you became a a seeker. Um, And um, and now you're in a place um, that you're sharing that gift with the world, which, you know, I think we all should do. You know, I mean, I feel like same way we talked a little bit before and I said, that, you know, uh, losing my mom in my 20s and then seeking spirituality to try to make sense of it and sense of like, I, all of a sudden I realized the fragility of life and I became a seeker and then became a teacher. And so not only did I heal myself, but, uh, you know, and different than your story, but I healed myself and then I became a teacher and steeped in sort of this understanding that's different than it was before and now I share it with the world in, in my own special and unique way. And, and that's what you're doing. And so tell me a little bit about how you're offering hope to grieving parents through your work. 
Um, and then so, I also want to talk a little bit about signs because yeah. I, I think people don't really understand, you know, the common person who didn't lose, you know, have this great shattering that you had, mm -hmm. you know, might get signs from, you know, their grandmother. Like I have a picture here on my desk of my aunt and I, and she, she passed six years ago and, and we were really close and I think about her all the time. And sometimes when I'm cooking, I like, you know, talk to her like, Hmm, should I add more of this or and, and it, does she hear me, <laughs> you know, and, and so yeah. I'm very curious about that part. Yeah. So like within the first year of my journey, and I don't want this to sound like this was a fast process. This was not a fast process. Right. And so even within year one, throughout year one, I mean, I starved myself for eight months. I had no appetite. Um, you know, I got a, I had a lot of muscle atrophy. Um, you know, I didn't shower. I, when I did shower, um, I had to have help showering. So I don't want it to, I don't want this to look like, oh, I found the, I found the truth and I found leaf and everything was good. It wasn't like that at all. Well, it's like um, we said before is that you agree. And that's the important part. And we said that contrast about that strong woman who comes out and everybody's like, oh, look at Betty. She just, you know, she's taking on the world and she, you know, her husband just passed suddenly. Absolutely. And then the other one who's curled up in a ball is really the one who's doing the right thing. It is. <laughs> and, and that's what you're not, you don't want to um, um, devalue the, the fact that Absolutely. you really, you, you, you were under the dirt. Absolutely. Under the dirt. And what I came to realize with that is the reason I incur and I tell them, I'm like, I'm going to cheer you on. If you're on the floor kicking, screaming, cussing God, I'm going to cheer you on. Because what I found was that's the actual shedding of this paradigm. Mm -hmm. That's what comes to shed the, this paradigm, because this is a paradigm shift. And when you get to the place where you know your truth, first you hope, then you kind of believe, and then you get into your knowing. And that's where mm -hmm. full surrender comes in, because I can fully say all is as it should be now. All is as it should be. And I wouldn't change it. And that's huge for a bereaved parent to say, I would not change the fact that my son died. I would not change it because I know that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We You're work together. We're living our purpose. And he, and he is too in his life between lives, right? And I know that this is just a chapter of our story, of our infinite story that we're going to write over and over in different ways. And that is magical and beautiful to me now. You know, at first I hated it. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, when yeah. I first, that was part of my truth. But, um, you know, what happened was, I, like I said, I was, I was like seeking out somebody just to say, Nikki, it's going to get better, you know? And nobody would tell me that. Like no other brief parent would tell me that. I was getting on, and I don't want to make it sound like grief groups, dark groups don't serve a purpose because they do because it's a place where you can come and you can vomit out that pain and you have people that get it. And so they so serve a purpose, but there comes a fine line when they stop being a healing tool and they become a crutch and a way of life. And that, that is a problem. So I was looking all around and I wasn't. This is so important. This is so important because I think this is the difference with your work is that you, you, you understand that that is needed in the process for healing, but there comes a time on everyone's journey and it's different for everyone, but there comes a time where you need to let the light start to, to come in. Absolutely. It's planted when you, you know, you're, you're seeking is that that's, that's the pivotal moment where the transformation starts 
And so you're cheering on is cheering people into living their best life, even though they've suffered a traumatic loss. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of them think I'm crazy. Like I'll have new parents come into my group and they're like, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. And they didn't see my grief journey. So they're just look, you know, it's a detached perspective. And so that's why I have other clients come on and talk to them. I'm like, I'm not the only one. I promise yeah. you, you know, it's, it's possible. So I was looking around and I wasn't, I wasn't getting any hope. Like, and that's all you have in the beginning. That's, that's the one thing that they, I mean, Pam, you know, bereaved parents are, um, suicidal ideation becomes huge. I was often fantasizing about ways to kill my daughter and then kill myself so we could be with my son, you know? So I needed hope so that I could be able to stay on this planet. Right. I mean, and I wasn't finding it anywhere. So I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to start a group apparently because I was already seeking and learning things and, and starting to recognize leaf and spirit. And I thought people need, like people need to know this. Right. So I started my first group and my first group. Um, I, I no longer affiliated with my first group. Um, and, and because it became, it, you know, the grief infiltrates. And so it became like, too much for me to handle on my own. I wasn't helping people shift. They were getting caught down into the big grief. And so the gal that I ran it with, that's kind of where she was at too. And so I said, okay, this is not like, this is not what my mission is. So I was led into starting the healing warrior parents and we're very different because we're not you needed to have that experience. Absolutely. You needed to have that. See that see nothing's lost. I I talk about this a lot. Like nothing in our journey is lost. If we no. can, if, and so you needed to have that experience of saying, Hey, this isn't how I want to do grief. Absolutely. I'm not gonna stay in the hole with everybody. Let's give them hope. And Absolutely. Tell me about that. So I, I, um, with a group of mothers that were in that group with me, a group that I walked with. Um, you know, because we we find each other, right? And we find it, soul family finds each other through the shattering, you know. And so um, we decided that we would open <clears throat> not a grief group. So Healing Warrior Parents, is, it's not a grief group. It's not a grief support group. It's a healing support group. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, so there's, it's a hu- there's a huge difference. So we don't, we don't pain feed each other. You can come in and you can post, I'm having a bad day, and I will offer shifts in your narrative and give you tools. And I put things in front of them, you know, Abe Hicks, Swedenborg, um, you know, Dolores Cannon, different mediums. I put all of these people in front of them so they can start learning about afterlife. You're offering people tangible tasks and ways. Yes. And that's really important because people like tasks. I mean, I could tell somebody go meditate for half an hour in yeah. the corner and nothing they're happened. Gonna be like, what? They're like, my back hurts. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm hungry. I have to go to the bathroom. But if somebody hands you like a physical task. Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. really important. And you know, and like with my private clients, we, I tell them that grief is a stew, like it's a stew and you're so overwhelmed and your nervous system is so stuck in fight or flight because I have a background as a behaviorist. And so I understand cognitive behavior therapy and I understand neuro-linguistic programming. So I was also, when I'm speaking, I was also using these techniques. I was monitoring around my house. There is no death. There is no death because I'm wanting to reframe a new neural pathway, right? Mm -hmm. Because trauma digs a deep one really, really quickly. And I've worked with people on PTSD flashbacks from finding their children um, with, with these tools. 
And what I'm seeing is, and you know, I understand that grief is a journey and everybody has a different journey. And I understand that there's a different timeline for everybody, but I also know now there actually are palpable steps that we can take that will lighten it. And that will, that will propel you further down your journey along with your kids. Right. So, or your beloved. Um, So we opened up the healing warrior parents and that's what we do there. And um, we, we, our basis is hope. Like you can, you know, our basis is hope. And so we do two different things in there. I believe that true surrendered healing comes from two different areas. And I believe it comes from working the earth grief and, and doing the behavior, you know, the, the breath work to calm the body and the somatic stuff and, um, you know, self radical, like radical self-care. Right. Um, and, um, Every, and then, all, of, all of those things we as humans know how to do. We breathe right. every day. It's just, it's sort of like this reminder or relearning it. It's exactly, and I call it, remember, I call it remembering it. Like, because I believe we come here and we get our earth amnesia, right? And we're like, oh, we're human. And so I- At least we remember. I, I love yeah. that. I talk about that a lot, that we forget. And then we, when we come back to the practice, we remember and then we fall off and, and then we can come back, but it's yeah. in the practice of it. It makes that muscle memory. It absolutely is. And so the other side of that is the spiritual side. And that is learning to intentionally connect. Signs are wonderful. And that's your first step, right? But then what I found, because I ended up working with a medium mentor, my first in, in my, like the end of middle end of my first year. And um, I was starting to have some really profound experiences with sleep, and I really thought I needed to be checked into a mental ward. Um, you know, so, um, oh, so it's I not started... just this is interesting too. So, so let me just have you pause for a second. Yeah, it's not just signs. There no. are other. Okay, so tell me mm-hmm. about that. Okay, I don't. So um, signs are fabulous, right? Signs are fabulous. Dream visits are fabulous. They can come to us and come to us. What? the basis of what we do is that you can have intentional communication. You can have a daily relationship with your child or your beloved. So um, what I started learning to do is she taught me how, and I'm a horrible meditator, horrible meditator, but she taught me how to, um, she would guide me through a meditation to connect with Leaf intentionally where I could say, Hey Leaf, we're going to have a date. Like, come on in while I'm doing this. And I would meet him. And then what was happening was I would have these visuals, right, during this meditation of something. And then during that week or a month later, I would see that visual. It would come to, like, it was validated, right, that this was a real experience. You know, that's so so interesting that you say that because I had this dream once not long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I journaled about it, and I, I saw a path, and I kept seeing myself running up and down this path. And then I was out on a hike with my son. And I turned around and I was like, it was the exact same path that I had seen in my dream. I saw in the physical and I took a picture of it. I was like, that is just wild. There was like this altar at the end. But anyway, not to, to, to no, did you know how to interpret it? I didn't know. So to me, what that speaks volume is like, you're on, you're on this path, right? You're on, you're on a path within yourself that mm-hmm. with what you're doing and what you're offering the world. And so to me, that was your soul remembering and then validating that you are on the right path, Pam. You're mm-hmm. on the path in the dream. Here's the path in the physical. It's validation. Yeah. So you have to start making but, the connection. Uh, this is so important to talk about because the average person listening 
who isn't necessarily grieving can also have those experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I guess the goosebumps. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and angel numbers are big. Like if you're seeing repetitive numbers, Google it. Google what the yeah, angel I see number the number is. 17 every All the time. Google All the time. it. You know? And I don't know why. Yeah. So I want you to Google the number 17 angel number and see what comes up because you get divine guidance that way. It's sacred geometry and it's all tied together through the universe. Right. So. So this uh, is so um, interesting. So it's not like, oh, my grandfather used to give my kids shiny pennies. And every time I find a shiny penny, I'm like, oh, it's grandpa. That's still a sign. So that's, you know, and I, I do love that there are basic signs that, that, you know, it's so funny because we, we mourn so heavily and we grieve so heavily because they're dead, they're dead, they're dead. But then, you know, you can't meet a person that's like, oh, a cardinal is a visit from your loved one. So it's like, you know, well, that's what I think know, the average person would say, oh, well, yeah, I see card. I saw a cardinal today, too. It doesn't mean that it's my grandmother. Right. But so this is the part where ego comes in. Uh-huh. One of the things I teach these parents with intentional connection, because it's a little crazy making, I will tell you. Yeah. Um, is that you have to become very well well aware of when your ego self is speaking because when we come into a body we also come in equipped we get the ego with the body and you know society thinks ego is self-inflation ego is actually as an ego body you know we've always seen the little devil on the shoulder and the little angel on the shoulder the devil is the ego body and the angel is your inner spirit and they're both both housed within your human vehicle right so um, you know, you're getting a sign and, and your ego is going to want to logically explain it away. That's what it wants to do because it's been put here to help you navigate the physical plane. It doesn't know anything about spiritual stuff. It is purely physical dimension, you know, navigation tool. And um, it's, it's part of your emotional guidance system. Yeah. So like when you feel pain, your ego engages to feel pain so that your spirit this is hard to articulate. So when you feel pain, like this was part of my process. When I started feeling pain because my ego was screaming at me, Letha's dead, Letha's dead, Letha's dead. I knew that because I was feeling such intense pain in that moment that I was so far separated from the truth of what my inner spirit knew that I needed to start seeking. Does that make sense? It does completely make sense. Okay. So that's something that I puts everything that we've been talking about together. Really, it just just married everything together. So yes, perfectly. And I think that people listening will hear that visual of the the two shoulders, and I think that's makes so much sense because it's so hard to articulate sometimes. But so, like with signs, you know, the cardinal comes, and somebody says, "Well, that's not my dead mom. Like that's just a cardinal. Um, That's their ego explaining it away." Now, if they were to say, oh, that's my dead mom, like this mom saying hi, there's a feeling that of peace that comes over. That's where you know that peace equals truth. It's mm-hmm. your inner spirit saying, ah, you got it. I'm he- you know, I'm here. So there are pieces to it. Like you have to open up your awareness to it, right? You have to tame your ego because your ego is always going to want to explain it away. Um, I'll give you a really good example of that. I sat for a long time within my first year. My parents, we, we stayed with my parents for a while because I wasn't functioning. Um, and I could blow your mind with the way that Leaf led me on this journey. I mean, the kid, whew. But uh, so I, w- I would sit, everybody would go to work and, and I couldn't work. And so I would sit and they had a saltwater fish tank. And I would sit in the living room for hours while they were at work, almost catatonic, just watching the fish tank. 
you know, not listening to anything, just watching it. And what I noticed was, um, and I'm just starting to really kind of believe this about the signs and the, the communications and kind of believing that I can intentionally connect with leaf. Cause you know, during meditation, your ego would say, Oh, that's your imagination. That's yeah. your, you know, so I'm sitting here for months watching this fish tank. And I noticed that the fish never went to the front right corner of the tank ever. It was a barren spot in the tank. The reef wasn't there. The coral wasn't there. Um, so they just never went there. Um, and so I, I asked him, I said, Lee, I want you to swim a fish to the right corner of the tank. And, you know, I'm speaking out loud and I heard very clearly in my head, yellow fish. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I want you to swim the yellow fish to the right corner of the tank. And he did. Mm -hmm. And so two hours later, I was staring at the tank and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I said, Lee, I want you to swim the yellow fish to the right corner of the tank. And he did it again. And I did this with him for three weeks. And then I got it on film. I have a video of it. And I say, the video's super cool because I say, Leap, will you, you know, and I'm excited. I'm like, Leap, will you send the yellow fish to the right corner of the tank? And so the fish swims up and it gets almost to the corner and it stops. And I say, please, Bubba, please, all the way to the corner. And the fish turns around and swims all the way to the corner. And wow. so I got it on film. And so that was a pivotal moment for me because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Like he's hearing me. Like I'm asking him to do this and he's doing it, right? So that was a huge moment of taming my ego for me. Um, you know, it, 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 throughout that time, I, I did, I studied so, so much. And I had a very profound experience with him where I accidentally slipped into meditation. I had went out to sit in his pickup truck. Um, it was cold out, but the sun was coming through and I was warm in the pickup truck. And, and I had on his clothes because I used to wear his clothes every single day. You know, I would sleep with his pillow. Yeah. yeah. So I really weaned myself off of his physical presence because I, I mean, my, my poor partner, I had his, I had Leaf's teddy bear. I had a pillow with this picture. Like I, in bed, I was like, had all of the things. And so I had accidentally slipped into meditation, just being in the warmth of his truck and um, some of his smell in there. And um, I, I heard him, like, I heard him very clear, as clear as I hear you. And I've never heard him this clear. And he said, mom, we've done this before. He said, we've done this before. You took an early exit. I was the parent and because of how I grew and my soul expanded, we decided this time that I would, I would exit first. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I came and then I became lucid. And I was like, I am losing my damn mind. So I called my medium mentor and she said, Nikki, he's talking about your soul contract. And I said, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> and so that was the next stage of my journey. I started thinking about what that was and did it resonate with me? And, and it does like it's, the thing that makes the most perfect sense to me that I've ever heard in my whole entire human life this time. And so it was just saying, you know, he progressed me very, very quickly. And, um, you know, I would have to take timeouts where I would literally mindlessly watch TV because my brain was trying to process so much new spiritual information that I'm like, you know, it can be maddening. You need to check out and just, yeah, I just needed to check out. And so, um, you know, I got to a place where, uh, you know, I had all of these profound experiences with him, learned to intentionally communicate with him. I learned how to use what I call bridge tools, divination tools. So I learned how to use a pendulum. 
Um, I talked to him. I don't, I don't use them a lot anymore. Um, but in that first year in taming my ego, I would use my pendulum with him. And I learned to work with Archangel Michael. I now work with Archangel Michael and Archangel Azrael, um, who is the angel of death. Um, but uh, I, I learned to use the pendulum and to ground and protect. And so I was doing all I had. I had started daily spiritual practice because I had to strengthen my spiritual muscle and mm -hmm. I had to imprint my truth into this human brain. And so I learned how to use the pendulum with them. I learned how to use Oracle cards. Um, I, you know, I've since learned how to use dousing rods with him. Different, different bridge tools that can bridge that intentional communication that also give you, it, it really is good for your ego because it gives your ego something in the physical plane to, to, to make sense of it. To make sense of it, yeah. yeah. And so I was asking him with my pendulum and I teach parents how to use the bridge tools as well. Um, you know, I don't want them to become dependent on them, but I want them to know they have these options. There are tools to use, you know, and how, so I, how much do you use those tools in your own life now? I heard you say you don't really use the pendulum. Um, and, I, and this I, is a leading I, question because what I'm hearing is that you're, you've moved on to sort of this peaceful, you're at peace yeah. with his passing. And so I'm guessing that you don't necessarily need those things as much. I don't. I use my pendulum. Um, uh, I fully believe, um, I, I actually fully know that Leaf goes to a lot of parents. Like he shows up in a lot of ways and they instantly know it's him. A lot of people that didn't know him in body, they know him now in spirit. And, and so I know that he works with parents from his side um, to open their awareness and mm -hmm. to help their knowing that their kids are also available to them. So, um, when I'm teaching a divination tool class, I bring Leaf in and I say, Leaf, you know, we're going to teach, come down and play with me with the pendulum. We're going to show, show, show these folks how it works. And so I use it during classes. Okay. Um, and then really now I like on Thanksgiving in the morning, I'll get it out. And on Christmas in the morning, I'll get it out. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about it is that he, he has a way to physically tell me that he loves me. He spins it in a counterclockwise circle for I love you. And it actually increased my telepathy, my clear audience, because mm -hmm. during my journey, I started studying all the clairs too. like, what, what does that mean to be able to feel? What does it mean to hear um, spirit? And so um, I don't, I don't use it a lot anymore. I use it in teaching so that other parents can use it, but, and I use it on the holidays because our holidays are good now. We enjoy our holidays. I play food for Leaf. you know, he's very much an active part, um, you know, and so I just, I, for, for my daughter and just for all of us, we start the day and it's like, Hey Leaf, are you here? Yep. I'm here. You're going to stay here all day. And I usually get a maybe I'm like, oh, I was going to run the cosmos half the day, you know, who knows what he's doing. And so, um, now where I'm at, I don't, it's so bad too. I don't even intentionally connect with him. I told him because I was very needy at first, which is good. That's what you should be. Cause that's their, that's part of their mission is to awaken you. Right. Um, but so when Leaf turned 18, the year he turned 18, I said, okay, so if you were embodied being 18, you would not be attached to my side all the time. So I'm going to give you some freedom to run the cosmos and, you know, explore this amazing place where you're at and all of these things. And so I asked him, I remember the first week and I said, so, okay, like, so what are you going to do this weekend since you're not like having the Lord over me? And I heard very clearly again. I'm going to bull ride. And I said, well, 
I hope you have fun with that because I would have never allowed that <laughs> while you were here in body, you know. And so I said the next two days, you know, I'm not going to call you in. I'm not going to call on you. You know, I said, I would love it if you would just throw me a sign just as a, you know, like a quick check. Hey, mom, I'm not gone anywhere. And so he did, of course. And then on Sunday, his sister went with her, with their dad that weekend. And on Sunday, um, he called me and he said, I'm bringing Omri home. And I said, okay. And I said, what did you guys do this weekend? He said, well, oddly enough, we ended up um, scoring um, VIP tickets to the PBR rodeo and watched the bull riding. And I said, really? I said, Leap went with you. And he said, he said, we actually got to, we got pulled to go back and meet the bull ride, the pro bull riders. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. So wow. Leap told me on Friday what he was doing. He was doing it with his sister and his dad. Yeah. Um, so now where he's at, he's 21 now. And I always celebrate his birthday and we actually celebrate his, his angel day too. Those, mm -hmm. his angel day is his rebirth day and it's our rebirth day mm -hmm. because he's now led us into our most awakened, authentic self which yeah. has actually led us to our best life so we celebrate that day um and so being 21 i don't intentionally connect with him anymore i get a medium reading i like to have about two a year um just for external validation of what's been going on with us and, and everything and i do i am a proponent of mediums i think it's a great tool i'm not a proponent of people getting addicted to them becoming dependent on them because you can learn to connect on your own um but uh uh, other than that, it's just like, I know, I very well know how to recognize him. And something that people need to know is this communication, this language happens in the subtleties, in the synchronicities. Every, nothing is random. Even the cardinal, when the cardinal comes, the cardinal didn't randomly fly there. You were in that specific space at yeah. that specific time, that spirit said, hey, here's an opportunity for me to be known, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, I just am very aware of the language and how that works. And so I can be out now um, and be like, hey, there's Leaf, because I'll, a car will pass that, um, you know, has L-E-I, 99. And I know what his signs are, you know, some of the regular signs. So I don't connect a lot anymore. And I also want people to know I don't grieve anymore. I don't mourn him. I don't miss him because we have an expansive, transcendent relationship now. And it's a hard place to get to, you it know, the physical dimension. But here, here's what you've enlightened with us today is that it's possible. It's it possible is. for all of us. And I think losing a child is one of life's greatest griefs. Mm -hmm. Greatest it's griefs. The, it's the biggest earth lesson I've been told that, that you can sign up for. <laughs> yeah. Who, who knew that part? So yeah. you took us from, you know, the, these this early time in your grief where, you know, I, and I think it's so relatable, everything that you said about, you know, feeling like you're going crazy and, and not being able to get out of bed and losing weight and, and doing that deep grief, but then the light got in and you were able to slowly grow. But here's the, here's the best part about your story. And I think an invitation for, for anybody is that once we go through something, and we're able to heal ourselves and find the tools that we need, then we're invited to offer that gift out into the world. Absolutely. And that's what you're doing. And Absolutely. you're offering that same hope that you found to so Absolutely. many other people are finding that hope also. And there's this amazing ripple effect of this love that you're spreading, yeah. that you're offering. 
and um, and and I and here and here's the thing that I that I love the most that I read about you. Um, and you know we can use this in closing is that you give back. Absolutely. Not only are you giving back the gift that you learned, but you're giving back to people who might not be able to afford your gift. Absolutely. You offer for for people of low income. I read you know services or you know there was even somebody um, you know we talked about this a little earlier about somebody who you know, kind of said something to you on Facebook and you responded in love and then you offered a free session because you Absolutely. knew that person was in pain. They were in that ego space yes. <laughs> stuck yes. there. Um, and, and so, and, and you have a whole new spin on don't get stuck in these groups of grieving people. It's important to be there for a little while, but we're invited to come back up to the next layer you know, to the Absolutely. next, to rise up out of the, out of the ashes of that. Out of, yeah. Out of the darkness of it. And I'll tell you why I do that, Pam, is because I couldn't work. I mean, we had a car repossessed during my first year of grief because I, I couldn't function. I couldn't work. And we had moved to, you know, went back home. My, my boyfriend didn't know anybody, you know, he took a small job just to, just, just to, have a little something. And so I was online and I saw these people taking healing classes and doing this. And I, and I was bitter about it. I said, you know, it must be nice to heal if you have money. Here I am. I'm using Google, you know, I'm using Google. And so I, as what happened was Leaf started dropping things in my lap, you know, medium reading classes, you know, these resources that I'm like, and I'm not a very good receiver. It's one of my life lessons that I'm working on. Um, so it made me uncomfortable, like, I'm not a charity case, but he was dropping all these things on me to, to help me with my healing. And I said, you know what, you know, wherever this is leading, I, I will, I vow that I will pay it forward. And so I do, I do the big group, the, the, the healing warrior parents as a labor of love. Um, and then in my private coaching, and I don't work with just bereaved parents. I work with anybody bereaved, siblings, spouses, yeah. whatever, um, you know, the holiday program I'm running right now, um, I gifted uh, somewhere between, I, I do it and I don't write it down usually, somewhere between 15 and 20 seats I gifted. Um, uh, I, if somebody does need a free session, it, they can't afford it. I say, you know, let's, I, it, this, I'll do it. Like, I'll do it. And I'll so cheerlead here's them. What I'm hearing is that you're doing it out of out of a sense of purpose and love and not necessarily, I mean, of course you're doing this for, you know, I, I would imagine you get paid for it too. So you're doing it for a living, but I love the fact that, that that's not what it's all about. And that's that what is it's not all, what it's all yeah. about. And you know, I, I didn't charge for a few years. I was doing it like, I, I was like that too. I didn't yeah, charge and, for a long time. And, Cause I felt really, you know, about it. And, and then I was like, Oh my God, like it's time where I'm either going to have to get some income or I'm going to have to like not spend, you know, 10 hours a day doing this with people. Yeah. And so I do, I'm probably the lowest paid grief coach um, out there and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm not looking to get rich. I'm not looking to get famous. I'm looking to, you know, be able to financially provide and give back whatever I can. And and pay, so, pay it forward. You're really paying for it. Thank you for, for being such a light and ray of hope in, in, in what can be such a dark and broken place for, for so many people. And thank you for is. sharing your gift and, uh, and your generosity of spirit. And I am thank so happy that, that you were on the path that you were on 
um, so that you know that you were led to this great work and to do such, such good in the world. So thank I'm you. I'm ever I'm ever grateful for it. And you know, people think I'm crazy because they're like, "You're grateful that your son died," and I, I I'm grateful for it. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for my shattering and my contrast because we have big work to do together. We have big work to do. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.